0: Welcome back, everyone, to another segment of Rabbi Jeff Spirky Havashir, where we attempt to understand the meaning behind the instructions of our sages and how it's relevant to our lives today. We do this, of course, using the thoughts of our teachers before us and try to make them applicable to our times. Feel free, please, to contact me with any comments or questions at rjfromlj at aol.com. Today's Mishnah is Parak Aleph, Mishnah Gimel, Chapter One, Mishnah Three. Antignos is, is soko. Antignos, a man of soko. I just want to point out that it's it's very fascinating. The last Mishnah was Shimon the The next Mishnayos are going to be what we call. We're going to enter into a period called the Zugos, the pairs, and uh, with Yosi ben Yuezer and Yosi ben Yochanon and and on. And we will talk about the history of that, but it's just interesting that the transition between the Men of the Great Assembly and between the, the structure of the zugos of the Pairs, which was the leadership structure of the Torah world, so it, the, the, there was a, a, a segue in between them, which is antignos Ish That it's interesting that we didn't go right away to Pairs, and I'll discuss that in the next Mishnah, that we didn't go right away to Pairs. Also fascinating that antignos. That's not a common name. It's not like, you know, Yossi. It's not like, it's not like Shimon, right? Antigonus is not a, and it, I think that the name Antigonus tells us the climate of the times and what was going on in that period, that the assimilation was already beginning, the pre-Ellenization was already taking place, and that Antignos had, in fact, a Greek name. And, and he was a, you know, a Taurus age, sort of something like, you know, chef, but the, uh, <laughs> You know he he had he had kept his his secular name and was and was well known for it. Okay, just a just a, an interesting fact. The Tivmosi Socho Kibam Mishimun Atzadik. He received from Mishimun Atzadik. Hu ha eimer he used to say, Al tiu kaavodim ameshamshin es harav al menas don't be like servants who serve their master almenas, on the condition, to receive a reward. But rather we should be like servants that serve their master without the thought of receiving a reward. Vihi mora shamayim aleichem. And the fear of God should be upon you. In its most simplest terms, the Mishnah is telling us that we shouldn't serve God for the reward that we're going to get but we should serve regardless of the reward that we're going to get which means that we're meant to serve God out of love and then the Mishnah says aleichem, that we also have to have a sense of fear so the truth is there's, there's tremendous issues that come out of this Mishnah because we know that there were two students of Antigonos by the name of Tzadok and Baitos. And Tzadok and Baitos heard this Mishnah. And they said, din, Less dim, less dying. There's no judge, there's no judgment, there's no reward, there's no schar. So why are we doing this? And when they heard this Mishnah, they wanted to actually, to pull to remove the yoke of Torah from themselves. So this Tzadok and Baitos, later we're going to see in Mishnah, that says that be careful with your students because you have to be careful how you teach your students because you could teach them in a way that could bring them to radical ideas. So Antigonos Youssef was held responsible a little bit for the way that he said this because it sounds as if there is no reward. You have to serve your master because you're not getting any reward. That's what they heard. So the, what they did was they got rid of the oral Torah, and they only kept the written Torah. Tomorrow I'm going to deal with this of of why that would be the outcome of it, because when you think that there's no reward for this, you think that that you do this and it doesn't count. Then why do you still do any part of it? Why do you still do the Torah Shabbat and just get rid of the Torah the the Torah and get rid of the Torah Shabbat pet? Those two students, <coughs> that I back to this eventually became the Sadduceans and the Batuthians. The Batuthians sort of melded off and, and they were they melted away in the gun and the Sadducees, the Testukian, they remained as a, a thorn in the side of the Jewish people for a long time. Some say that the Sadducees actually morphed into the carrots. Whether that's whether that's historically true and you know accurate or not doesn't make a difference, but that, that concept's been with us for a long time of those that will accept the written Torah but not the oral Torah. But how did that grow out of this Mishnah? Why was that the result of a difficulty with this Mishnah? Okay, before I deal with that, let's deal with, um, with what this Mishnah, the implication of this Mishnah, because what the Mishnah seems to be saying is that scar reward, is not a good thing. Now, we know that everywhere in the Torah, it talks about the concept of schar mitzvah, the concept of reward. Right, you do this in order that your days shall be lengthened upon the earth that I have given you. Right, we talk about We talk about we talk about God blessing us with a with a better life if we keep the commandment as God has has commanded us to keep. We're not we're not shy about the concept of reward and punishment. We talk about in the Shema how one of the fundamental things that we accept every day is the notion of reward and punishment. And in the same way that we're worried about being punished. We understand that there's a concept of chaimitzah, there's a concept of reward. We we talk about this concept of olam haba, of preparing ourselves for olam haba, of bringing olam haba into olam hazeh, living a life like olam haba. We talk about things that the karen kayyamis lola olam haba, right? That 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 we eat the fruit of them in this world, but a karen kayyamis lola olam haba, but that the the principle stays for the world to come. Reward is not something that we are shy about. We speak often about the concept of reward. Yet all of a sudden in this mission it seems that that's a bad thing. To serve God and and how do we serve him? if we, How do we just ignore the fact that we're trying to build a, a folio that will get us into Ulama We're trying to get ourselves there. The whole goal of things is Ulam Abba. But you're looking at Mishnah the Mishnah Shasharim is replete and the Mishnayas in Pirkei which is what that's based on, the and Shasharim talk about this world being a corridor for the next world. So how can this Mishnah, what is the Mishnah trying to teach me as far as the concept of reward when we know that reward is something that is basic to the structure of mitzvahs? You know, we know that in the 13, that there are 13 principles of faith. That my has developed, and they manifested themselves into the Animamins. Some people say them at the end of davening every day, and the one, the famous one, everybody knows, animamim the haMashiach. That I believe with a full heart that in the coming of Messiah. But there are other Animamins in there. That's not the only Animamin and we understand in there that um, that, that that the the that the, the the if you take those 13 animamans the thirteen I believes and you break them down into three categories there are the animamans that deal with with belief in god there are the animamans that deal with prophecy belief in prophecy all belief in torah and then there are the animamans that believe in reward and punishment animam benu shleimer is part of a package of animamans that deal with reward and punishment. Rabbi Weinberg once asked the question, and he wrote actually a book based on this, that why was it that we have he understands why we have number one, meaning category number one, belief in God, is basic to the structure of the Jewish people. We need to believe that there's a God, otherwise there's no purpose to our existence we also need to believe that there is a structure to our existence and that's the belief in Torah. But why is it necessary to believe also in the concept of reward and punishment? Why can't it be that a human being can live looking at the Torah, serving God out of love, but yet not having a sense of that there is going to be anything after, there's going to be any kind of reward or any kind of punishment for the things that they do. He took the animamins and he showed why each one of those animamins was necessary. He took this third category and he said, why is reward and punishment necessary for the structure of Judaism? Not just the belief in God and not just the belief in prophecy. He said because it has to matter to someone. Because at the end of the day with a, a child and a parent, very often parents are worried about making rules for children because they worry that the more rules they make, the child is going to rebel, it's going to be difficult for the child, the child is not going to be happy, when in truth, there is rare that a child has ever suffered because of the rules that the parent has made if they're balanced and they're normal rules. The child suffers more when there are no rules and there are no boundaries, and the child is really left to figure out how to navigate through life on their own, that's much more complicated. And therefore, our Khashbarah had to build into our system a concept of reward and punishment that we know that it matters. It's not just that he asked us to do this, it's not just that he suggested to us to do this, but that it matters. It makes a difference. Our Shabbos makes a difference. Our Kashas makes a difference. Our Chesed makes a difference. Our Tefillah makes a difference. And that it matters. And the reward and punishment teaches me that it makes a difference and it matters to someone. That it will bring me, it'll bring me. Pleasure if I if I keep them it'll bring me difficulty if I don't because it makes a difference. It matters On that level, I understand then why we have scar and onish reward and punishment Why then does this Mishnah seem to plant its feet in the ground and say that's not why we do mitzvahs? What are you talking about? That's part of the basic structure of Judaism Later in Pirkei Abbas we say that heavy Hevizor, you have to be careful with the mitzvah kalak with a light mitzvah, like you do it in, with a hard mitzvah. Because we do not know matan sharon. We do not know the reward that's given for mitzvahs. Well, if the reward for mitzvahs is not a good thing, then why, would, why do we use that as a reason to be careful with mitzvahs? Be careful with them, because we don't know how serious it is, what you're doing. But then that means it is serious. It does matter. The and the omish, the reward and the punishment does make a difference. Moshe comes to God 515 times, he davens to Hashem, el Hashem, the gematria, the numerical value of eschanan, 515. There's beautiful Torah about why it's 515 times, but he, he cries out to God 515 times. And God says to them that, look, you're not going into the land of Israel, but I will give you the The I know why you want to go in. You want to go in Moshe being not because the best falafel is in the land of Israel. You want to go into the land of Israel because you know you can't be mechaim mitzvahs. There are commandments that you'll never be able to keep if you stay outside the land of Israel. And therefore you want to go in to be makabel Saram to get the, the reward of those mitzvahs. Tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you the scar, the reward of those mitzvos. What? If you're going to tell me in this Mishnah that we have to serve God without the thought of getting reward, because reward is not the yikar, that's not the reason why we do things. We serve God out of love, not out of the concept of reward. Then why would God reward, so to speak, Moshe and say to him, Oh, Moshe, you can't go into the land, but I'll give you the reward. But that's not what Moshe wanted. Moshe wanted the asiyah of the mitzvah, he wanted to do the mitzvah. So then what was giving him the schar, helping Moshe? There's a Rashi that says don't do it for money don't do it for reward but that we do mitzvahs only out of the love of Hashem and that's beautiful beautiful that fits with our Mishnah but then Rashi says that in the end the honor is going to come but that's not the point that's not why i'm doing it i'm not doing it for any honor i'm not doing it for any stat i could i could ask this question 500 different ways because char is reward is basic to judaism and if that's the case, what is does this mission of teaching me that Sarah is no good? So I want to give two answers. I hope I can get them both in today. The first answer I want to give is, you know, God comes to Avram and he says to Avram, I want you to go from your house. I want you to go from your, your birthplace. I want you to leave your family and go to a land that I'm going to show you. And we talk about this being one of the first missionos, the tests of Avram, one of the major tests of Avram. It's considered an incredible moment in the formation and the foundation of the Jewish nation. We say, which we talked about a few days ago, that the actions of the fathers are are a sign for the children, which means that what the fathers did made it possible for me to do that also. I can change my life in the middle of my life because Avraham Avinu changed his. He made it possible, he put it inside the DNA of the Jew that we have the ability to be able to pick our lives up and to turn them around in the middle of those lives because Avraham Avinu was able to do that. We're able to be Moser Nefesh, to give up our lives for what we believe in because Avraham Avinu was willing to have himself thrown into a fiery furnace not to give up what he believed in. This event of Lechuchah was a massive event and we talk about the Messias Nefesh of Avram. Whenever you hear a discussion about Avram's test, the next thing you hear is Vayyashchim Avram He gets up early in the morning and he goes running to do God's will. Beautiful. Unfortunately, they never tell you about Pasuk Beis. The second Pasuk in that whole section if God says to Abraham, Let before Abraham jumps to God and jumps to, to, to carry out God's will, it says in the Torah that God says to Abraham, and by the way, gadol, I'm going to make you into a great nation. I'm going to, you don't have any children, you'll have children. All the things that you're missing now, you'll have there. You'll have fame and fortune and money and family and you'll have everything. Shkerch. What kind of great thing was Avraham Avinu doing? If somebody promised you a billion dollars, if you moved to to who knows where, so you're not not like a big tzaddik, you're going, you're making money, you're going for the the reward. Avraham Avinu was following God, but God promised him everything he was missing in his life. God promised him. That's not following God, that's going after the money. What kind of Messiah, what kind of test was that? I want you to do something a little dangerous, but I'm going to pay you good for it. That's not a test. The test is that even after days could Avram Avinu still do it strictly because God asked him or was he now going to get lost in the reward and that the greatness of Avram Avinu was that Avram Avinu was able to continue to stay focused on that commandment on that love of God on that which he was doing for God himself rather than focusing on the promise that God gave him the test of Ram was even though he knew that there wasn't an haba, even though he knew that there was a reward was he going to be able to do what he did strictly for the sake of a relationship with God? What the mission is telling me is Don't focus on the reward that you know is there, but rather climb above that. You should make yourselves into one that serves their master as if there was no reward. <laughs> that I'm doing this not for the sake of the reward that you promised me but I'm doing this strictly for the altruistic reasons simply for the relationship that I want to build with you because of the love that I have for God that's step number one but I think it actually goes deeper and I think that there's something else that's going on here. You know, when we do something for someone, we owe them something. They owe us something. It's the way the world works. We have this whole concept called calling in favors. You know, it's, it, it's real. It's the reason why saying thank you is so complicated. A real thank you, I don't mean just the words, you know, your mother said, tell them thank you. It's I, I, the, real, the real sense of the real sense of gratitude very very difficult to feel that like. because when to feel gratitude what you have to say is i couldn't do this without you that's a very complicated thing it's complicated to admit that there's something in this world that i couldn't accomplish without your input and without you putting yourself into this also. at the end of the day I've, if i've received something from you i have an obligation to be my Ketob. i have an obligation to, to, to pay to, to pay you back and we know that and at the end of the day we we feel that towards other people you know you do something for somebody and 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 you owe them something and they do something for you and you owe them something there's only one situation where you don't owe, owe some, some somebody anything. And that's if you own them if you own them if they're your slave so then you don't owe them a thing God can't owe us anything even though we serve him even though we do things for him but he can't owe us anything because he's the source of our existence he owns us however that what the mission is, therefore, what the mission is telling me is don't serve God with any thought that He's going to give you something back. Because He owes you absolutely nothing. There's nothing Kumtsamir, there's nothing ali, there's nothing that I deserve. Look at how well I kept those mitzvahs. Look at how I was my and nefesh. God look at what I left behind to be able to come and to serve you. Look at the way up. God owes you nothing because you're not giving him anything. He owns you. Everything you have ultimately belongs to him. However, I need, if I'm going to serve him out of love, and I'm gonna serve him because of the feelings that I have towards him, I need to know that that love is coming back to me. It's very difficult to be in a relationship where you're showering love, but that those feelings are not being reciprocated. We all need to feel that. If I'm developing a relationship with you and you're giving me nothing back, The relationship has nothing to grow on, nothing. It doesn't give me any strength, any personal strength. to Keep going with that relationship if I don't feel that I'm getting anything back from it. I need the love back from God, because if it isn't growing, if it isn't returned, then it's difficult to be able to maintain the relationship. That's what Rashi means when he says, don't do it out of reward, don't do it for any other reason, but in the end, safe, covet lovely, God will shower you back with love. Not reward, you deserve no reward, but that God promises us that it will come back in the guise of love, of a relationship. When Moshe stands there and says to God, I want to go into the land of Israel. And God says to him, you can't go into the land of Israel. But Moshe says, I want to serve you, God. I want to continue to serve you in the land of Israel. God says, I'm going to give you the reward. Not I'm going to reward you for that, but I'll give you the love that would have come back to you had you done these mitzvahs. I will give you that relationship. I will give you my connection to you. Because that's ultimately what we're waiting for from God we're not looking to get a reward back. The pras we're not looking to get back, but we are looking to get the love back, and that's why we're promised. Schar, Schar is the way that God says to us: "I love you. I appreciate what you do with me. I don't. You don't deserve this. You don't. I don't have to give this to you." But just like you're doing this for me as an act of love, I'm giving that love back to you also. And that's what the mission is teaching me. That the mission is teaching me that when it says don't do it for reward, it's more sophisticated than merely just don't do it for reward, don't do it for for side reasons, don't do it in a non-altruistic way. Recognize you're not getting that reward in the sense that you don't deserve anything God is not you're you're working for God you don't deserve anything everything you get is an incredible gift that God has given you which is a sign of his love and appreciation for you and that's why at the end of the Mishnah well actually I'm going to leave that for tomorrow but at the end of the Mishnah, if that's the case, if it's all about love, and it's all about developing love, and the whole mission is to teach me about loving God, then why do I need that line at the end, the Mora Shanaim, Alecha? Tomorrow we're going to have to discuss what the relationship between love and fear is. What does fear of God mean? What does fear of God expect of us? What does it demand of us? What is the difference in practical terms between love of God and fear of God? Why would this Mishnah, if it's trying to teach me about what schar really is, don't serve God for the schar, and that schar is not really schar, it's not really reward. It's God's showing of love to us. And if that's the case, so then why do I need to talk in this Mishnah about fear of God? Why do we need to talk about the Mora Shemayim